This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Man, how many of you, by show of hands, was able to witness the vows that were exchanged yesterday? Let me see, by show of hands. Okay, so that's just about, just about everybody, just about, um, because that is going to be, I'm glad that, that 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 was an object lesson yesterday that's going along with our lesson. So we're going to glean a little bit this morning, just a little bit, because I got some, some other things I need to wrap up, but we're going to glean a little bit from that uh, this morning. Remember, we are on our marital counseling, pre-marital counseling. That's before you get married, the counseling you get before you get married so that you can choose wisely because everybody that you meet is not meant for you although you might think I don't care how fine they are how cute they are they may not be the person that you should be with so we are learning how to choose wisely but we're also learning before that we're learning before I decide I want to choose marriage and to choose someone to marry, am I ready? Am I ready to be married? And there is so much that goes along. It's not just about the sex. We know that sex is sex is I was about to say a third. I don't even know if I should say a third. Maybe it's about the eighth. The eighth part. There's so much more that goes on in marriage. And, and to have a godly and a successful marriage, there's so much more that goes on. And so we are, uh, again, in this premarital counseling that we're doing in premarital teachings. My part of this, I told you I have one objective. I'm going to give you the objective before I give you the title, uh, which you'll hear in the title. Um, my goal and my only objective is to explain the commitment of a covenant, commitment of a covenant, and the seriousness of covenant. So the title of the message is, Are You Ready to Be Committed to the Covenant? This has been my section. Are you ready to be committed to the covenant? We said that God chose the only, this is the only earthly relationship that God chose to be a demonstration of his love for the church. God chose this particular relationship to be a demonstration of his love for the church and ultimately Jesus' um, uh, role and responsibility and Jesus' marriage to the church. Jesus is married to the church. The, the, the scripture talks about Jesus being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. So he has chosen this particular relationship because of that, because of the intimacy that's involved in marriage is another reason, because it's a reflection. I told you, always keep in mind during these teachings, always keep in mind the relationship between, between Jesus and the church and the relationship between man and wife, because we're trying to see how they parallel. That's the whole, that's the whole point, to see how they parallel, to see how that earthly relationship of man and wife is a demonstration of Jesus' relationship to the church. So 
because there are only two involved. That's the reason. Because of the level of intimacy, that's another reason. Because of the roles and responsibilities of each person is another, is another reason. And lastly, the purpose of the marriage in the relation, the purpose of the marriage relationship in the family, how that connects to the family. So your marriage is not your children. That's separate. So your marriage is different from the family in the sense that the family is not involved in the marriage. The marriage is only the husband and the wife. But then you add on children. Well, you're a family. You're a family of two if you don't have children. But then you add the family when you have the children. But keep in mind, always keep in mind that your marriage has nothing to do with your children. And sometimes people get that twist and they get that all tied up. And that's why they don't, they don't perform their, their marital duties because they allow their parenting duties to get in the way. And that's not proper to do. That is not proper to do. So those are the reasons why God chose that relationship. I'm going to skip all other reviews because we're going to go straight to where we left off last week. And that was talking about the vows. And so yesterday some of us witnessed, were able, was able to witness the vows. And again, I'm glad that we were ha- able to have that object lesson during these teachings so that we can connect some knowledge. So remember, last time I told you that there are certain things, there's a declaration of intent. And I hope you heard that yesterday. He basically, his declaration of intent was, was uh, and I told you there are variations of this, always going to be variations depending on the, the officiant or the minister, whoever's performing the, the ceremony. There's always going to be some variations, but the main, the main things are there. He talked about love. He talked about choosing that person. He did that, and, and then his declaration was, do you choose? And, and Sarah and Savannah, they, uh, Savannah, Sarah, Savannah, not Sarah, not Sarah, Savannah, Savannah and Eric, they had to say, I do or I will. I can't remember what they said. I was so busy. I can't remember. But they had to say, I will or I do. That was the declaration. This is why I'm here, because I'm choosing you. This is why I'm here. This is why we're having this ceremony, because I've chosen you. And then they had their vows. Now, again, some variations. They were able to write, or they chose to write their own vows. But if you recall, at the end, even at the end of the vows that they wrote, they still said, and I take you to be my lawful, lawful, lawfully. Yeah, I said it. uh, Yeah, lawful. I said it right. To be my lawful wedded wife, husband, to have, to hold, to de- they said all of that at the very end of the vows that they wrote. And typically people don't do that. So I was very, I was very impressed with that. Because generally when, when couples write their own vows, they don't necessarily put all those little details in it. But they did. And did you hear, did you hear what the vows that, that Savannah wrote? Did you hear that? For those of you that were there. She said that I proudly take correction and I proudly yield to your yielding, to your, to your, your headship. She said that. But she only was able to say that confidently because of the person she got to know and she was able to choose wisely. That's why she said it's, it, it will be a pleasure. It will, be, it will not be hard at all to yield, to take teaching from you. To take correction from you. Did you all hear that? I loved it. 
I loved it. And she wrote that herself. It's not that she was ju- just repeating what the, what the minister said or what the official said. She wrote those in her own vows. You see, you have to have an understanding of your role and your responsibility and how God intended marriage to be, that covenant. You have to understand that to be able to stand and say that in your own words, in your own writing and in your own words, be able to say that. And those, this is where we're trying to get you. That's the place that we're trying to get everybody to that understanding. We, again, we don't want, when you hear the word submission, if, if the officiant says submit, we don't want that to be a word that you cringe at. We've been learning. We've been learning on Wednesdays about authority and how we, when we submit to God and his authority, all of the protection and all of the instruction and the guidance, all of that comes with just submitting. And in marriage, when you submit to your spouse in marriage, you are that's, that is protection. Why? Because you are not submitting to anything that is not godly. You're not submitting. You're submitting to the order, number one. And order itself, order in itself, it keeps a level, it has a, a level of um, uh, a pleasure, of joy, because there's peace. There's peace and order. Okay, so that's one part. But then in submission also, you have protection. Women, when you, when you are submitted to your, to the order, submitted to God first, submitted to the order of marriage, when you choose marriage, that will have a level of protection for you. A level of protection. And we're going to see today how, how those things fit together and how it fits under the headship of God and how the church, that, that type of relationship, how it reflects in how God deals with us. I told you we were going to visit Hosea again after Minister Hill uh, uh, kind of uh, initiated that. We're going to visit that again and we're going to see. We're just going to see. We're going to see some things in that. So first scripture, we, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 19. We're talking about commitment in marriage. And let me tell you, while you're turning to Matthew 19, let me tell you this. Because this is premarital class, listen closely, because this is premarital class, we are teaching from the standpoint of the standard, the standard that is set by God for marriage. I want that to be clear. In the scriptures we see that God hates divorce. We're going to see some scriptures about the vows. Today, When you make a vow, we're going to see how serious making a vow is. So that is the pretense. That is the purpose of us teaching what we're teaching. Okay. So I'm not saying, listen closely, I am not saying that there are not reasons for separation. I'm not saying... That there's not a, not a reason for divorce. That is a permission under that one, and we're going to get to it because I don't want it to be misconstrued. We're going to get to that. We're going to see that that is not a law, but it's a permission. There's a difference. There's a difference. 
So, Matthew chapter 19. Let's read, start reading at verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, came unto Jesus, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that which made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, there are no more twain but one, not two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. That's what he's saying. Then, then they said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement to put away, to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you, meaning allowed you, to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Moses allowed it because of certain things and he, just just leaving the wife separation you have to understand and, and, and uh, understand that what they were doing in that culture in that time back then but he says from the beginning that was not so that shows you right there that God never intended never intended for a man and wife who joined who chose to join themselves together he never intended for them to divorce. Never. Never. That was not a part of his plan. That was not a part of the purpose. It defeats the purpose of marriage altogether. It was never a part of what he intended. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're not going to harp on this very long because what I, what I just told you. We are teaching so that we won't have to go this route. But I just want to show you quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let's read, start reading at verse 10. And unto the marriage, this is Paul talking, 1 Corinthians, he wrote these letters. This is Paul talking to the people. And unto the married, unto the married, you've, you've gotten married. I command, yet not I. See, some of the, some of the things that he said, he, he says explicitly, this is me talking and not God. But I have the Spirit of God, so that's why I'm telling you this. But this one, he says, and unto the married, I command. I'm telling you this. I'm giving you this information. I'm telling you what thus said the Lord. Yet not I. This is not me speaking. But the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. There it is again. So we see, God, he's saying, God is saying, let not, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. You see that? He said, look, basically, if you get a divorce for any other reason beside infidelity, beside your spouse 
cheating on you beside your spouse being unfaithful to you in that manner, if you get a divorce for any other reason, you are to remain unmarried. That's how serious commitment is. That's how serious commitment is. And so you have to, again, we're talking from God's perspective, right? Not man's perspective, God's perspective. He said, because of the hardness of your heart. And I get it. Before I say this, I already know I'm going to have some people looking at me cross-eyed and sideways and all of that. But even in infidelity, even in infidelity, when you choose to not try to reconcile that, when you choose not to reconcile, that is the hardness of the heart. Oh, I get it. I know. But what but they did, I understand. But guess what? God did not throw you away as many times as you've cheated on him. We're talking about from God's perspective. That's how, as committed as he is to you, that's how as committed as he wants you to be to your spouse. I know, I get it. I get it. I understand. That's hurtful. That's hard. I get it. They went against their vows. I get I get it. I get it. I understand. Trust me, I understand. Been there, done that. I understand. But it takes two. And although I was choosing commitment, although I was choosing commitment, that other person wasn't. Although I had a heart to try to reconcile, that other person, did, it takes two. It takes two. Out of the hardness of your heart, that's why I said, divorce, even in infidelity, divorce, is not a law. God is not saying. He didn't say, if this happens, then you should divorce. He didn't say that. It's permissible. So is it wrong if you decide that that's what you're going to do? No, it's not. It's not. Because it's lawful under that. That's the only guideline. The only guideline that he put down for divorce. He says, that's not, my, that's not the way I want you to go, necessarily. That's not the way I want you to go. Why? Because your relationship is supposed to be a reflection of me and the church. I get it. But we're talking about God's best from his perspective. From God's perspective. Not from man's perspective. Not from our feelings and our emotions perspective. Because I know those types of things, those things are hurtful. And it took me a while to get over that. But God is so good. It took me a while to get over a broken heart. It took me a while to get over being rejected. But you know, and God has to remind me, but you know, how many times does my people reject? How many times did you reject me? How many times? And that's why I was willing to try reconciliation. 
I know people looking at me like, you know, oh, I can't believe she. Uh, don't judge me. God is my judge. Unless you're judging me by the scripture. And if, you, if that's the thought that you had, that's not judgment by the scripture. You got it? And you know, it takes a strong person. It does. It takes a strong, it takes a strong person in the Lord. A strong person in the Lord to be able to reconcile with someone based on those conditions that have done those types of things. You got to be in the Lord. Again, commitment. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about commitment. How committed are you? And see, that's another thing. See, you, and that's the thing that you need to think about before you get married. If, by chance. See, that's what we teach because we want, you to, we want you to choose wisely. But even in your decision to choose and mate, think about that before you get married. We're, if, if, by chance. I think I know her. I believe I know her. I'm getting to know them. They go to church, they do this, they do that. All of that. They preach. They teach. They sing in the choir. But if by chance, this is something to think about. Would I be willing, would I be committed enough to want to reconcile? And I'm not talking, and and again, listen to me. I'm not dumb and I'm not stupid. Okay? So, one chance would be all that you get. Okay? One chance would be all that you get. But if that, and and then so, so after that one time, then that means that there's some repentance and there's some change. You know, even us with God. God is not stupid and he's not dumb either. There has to be some repentance for you to reconcile with him. Otherwise, you're just floating in the wind by yourself. I don't care how much you think you're in God. If you are doing things that are contrary, and I'm not just talking about infidelity, whatever it is, contrary to the word and the will of God, and you are not, you are not, you have gone against that, that, that covenant with God, and you don't have a heart to repent, to turn to Him, and turn from your ways, know that you're just floating in the wind by yourself. So when there is repentance, and there is change, we can work with that. We can work with that to reconcile. But are you willing to take that step? That's something to think about. Because listen, listen, listen to me. If you're not, you need to think twice about getting married. That's all I'm saying. You need to think twice. Again, I'm not saying that if you were in that situation that you could not get a divorce. But we're talking about from God's perspective. He's saying, I want you to know how serious I am about this commitment that you're going to make. I want you to understand how serious it is. Because your relationship is supposed to reflect my relationship with 
the church. And again, how many times does he? How many times? How many times does he forgive? And, and it's, not, it's not even just about infidelity. So that's, that, that's the extreme. That's the extreme end. But in commitment, you, there are other little things. They're just things. These, you know, they say unreconcilable differences. Unreconcilable differences. That just means we're different. We know that. You know that going in. You know that going in, that you're different. That means when you get married, you say, I'm committed to those differences. I don't care what it is. You pick your nose. I don't care. You smell your food. I hate when people just, you know. To me, that's a little rude. But, you know, all those little things, all those little things, you're saying that I am committed to God to overlook those things. I'm committed to God. I'm not going to allow all those little things. I'm off my notes. I got some place to be. This is why it is critical to marry a believer and someone who first is first committed to God because of this. Because of how serious God is about commitment. That's why it's important. And again, I just told you. Even marrying a believer, you have to be willing because you don't know what might come down the pipeline. You don't know what's in the cup. You don't know what's in the cup. Commitment of a covenant is important because without it, the covenant cannot be kept. If there is no commitment, there is no way that that covenant is going to be kept. No way. If there's not commitment. Covenant is only as secure. It's another statement I made last week. Covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the people involved in it. Your integrity is your constant and your consistent commitment, adherence, obedience to a particular standard. If you are not constantly, consistently committed to performing a or performing in a guide the guidelines of a particular standard, you lack integrity. And so, a person who does not constantly and consistently adhere to the standard that they say they believe, and you can see that before you get married, you can see that before you commit, you can see that in dating. You can see all of that. If they are late picking you up for a date, if they forget you all had a date, those are all signs. So there's, that's telling you that they're not committed to being diligent. They're not committed to being dependable. It shows that. They're not dependable. Are you willing are you willing to commit to someone who is not dependable? Just like Pastor said, 
They always, they, it, they always show you who they are. If you look, if you, you see, again, we, we, you know, they, how they look, how they smell, just because we want to be married, just because, you know, we're ready, we say we're ready, you know, all of those things. And then we're willing, but listen, you're willing to overlook those things. Oh, you know, he was just, you know, oh, he was. Oh, she, you know, she's not really trifling. No, people, she's not. She's not really trifling. Not really. No, no, no. She's not. Oh, yes, she is. Trust it. Listen. Trust. You don't have to have faith for that because you can see it. Faith is the stuff you. Faith is the. By faith. By faith, she's not trifling. No, 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 no. Faith is for something that you can't see. When you see it, it's the truth. Are you willing to commit to that? They already showing you. Listen, so so listen. So don't you can't be upset when you decide that you've overlooked that and then you get married and then that same thing happens when you get married. He's late. He didn't forgot to pick up the children. He's late paying bills. Lights get cut off. Don't complain then. Oh no. Oh no, he's uh, he's just. Oh, you won't be saying it then. You will not be saying it then. When he leaves your children on the front porch at the school, you won't be saying it. Then you're gonna be saying everything else. But but he showed you. He already showed you. She already showed you. Are you willing to commit to that? (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Are you willing to commit to that? And if you do, ooh, let's see. Come on, right now. Go to Numbers chapter 30. Let let me me show you something. Let me learn you something this morning. (laughs) We're going to learn you something. Numbers chapter 30. Numbers chapter 30. Let's look at verse 2. Numbers 30. Yes, there, verse 2. And the scripture reads If a man vow a vow unto the Lord. Did you hear what, what, uh, what uh, Eric said yesterday he says before God I make this vow to God and to you did y'all hear that if a man listen and you don't even have to say that if you're doing if you're a marriage ceremony is the institution of God and you're doing it's already you're already making that vow to him and that person that you're marrying if a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. If a man, if a woman, I'm sorry, also vow a vow unto the Lord and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house, and we're not going to read all that because that's some, some other stuff that, that just went on traditionally there. But we'll see, we, we see here, what I want you to see is that when you vow a vow, 
He says, he or she shall not break their word. They shall do according to all that proceeded out of their mouth. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It's all in the scripture. This is all about commitment. All about commitment. And commitment is all throughout the scriptures. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So if it's all throughout the scriptures, why would it be any different when it pertains to marriage? Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Let's look at verse 4. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. Defer not to pay it. Whatever you vow, you pay it. You do it, in other words. For he hath no pleasure in fools. He's saying you're a fool if you make a vow. And you don't stick to it. And you don't pay it. You don't do it. Uh, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Verse 5. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow. It's better that you not vow than that you should vow and not pay. There it is, plain as day. Make a vow, pay it. Do it. You make a vow, you do it. You do all that's in it. It's better to not make a vow than to make a vow and not do it. And guess what? The choice is yours beforehand. That's why he don't want any excuses after the fact. Because he's, listen, to make a vow, that means you are choosing to make that vow. It is out of your own mouth. That's why it's serious. When God gives us his word, Christ in the church, when God gives us his word, when he gives us a promise, makes us a promise, and when you are standing in front of an altar, you are making each other a promise. When God makes us a promise, when Jesus makes us a promise in his word, he sticks to it. He pays it no matter what. No matter what you do, no matter what you don't do, he is still going to keep his promise as long as there's nothing connected or tied to it than what you're supposed to do. Remember we talked about that. There are certain commandments, there are certain uh, promises that God, God makes that you have nothing to do with, and then there are some that require something from you. When you stand at the altar with someone... That's a bilateral. Bilateral, remember I told you, it means two. That means two people are agreeing to something. You are making a promise before God. He says, and just that, remember, we're talking about the standard of God. As I said, when God makes us a promise, it does not matter what we do. He is going to stick to what he said. He commands. He demands. The same thing from us. Remember what I told you. The commitment, the commitment is first to God. I am going to do what your word declares I should do as a part of this covenant of marriage. I am committing myself to this covenant. I didn't say to that person. Yes. I am committing myself to this covenant. Of marriage. Marriage is a divine, that definition, marriage is a divine institution 
created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again choose. I'm choosing this. I choose to enter into a relationship, into this covenant with another imperfect person. I am committing myself to this covenant with this imperfect person. That means that they are not perfect. They are going to do things I don't like. They're going to do things I don't necessarily agree with. They're going to do things that's going to get on my nerves. They're going to do things that's going to irritate me. But I am committing myself to this covenant to be with them for a lifetime. That's why it's important that you... So that's that. And then I'm committing myself when I make these vows to this person. I'm committing myself to them. Again, with all of their imperfections, I have chosen. I'm standing here because I've chosen to accept all that comes with them. That's it. That's it. I'm choosing to accept this imperfect person. Understanding that they're going to irritate me sometimes. You better understand that. You better understand. I don't care how much in love you are, how much you hold hands, how much you, how affectionate you are right now. There are going to be things that come up in your relationship where you're not going to want to be uh, uh, affectionate. You're not going to want to hold hands. You're not going to even want to look at them, let alone touch them. That's truth. It's truth. You're not going to get around it. You're not going to get over it. You're not going to get under it. It's coming straight down the pipeline. Straight. And not a trickle, trickle down the pipeline like a water hose. Straight down that pipeline with that force. That's how it's coming. Are you willing to be committed to that? That's how serious it is. So if you think about all that I just said, on top of bills, on top of children, that's why I said the sex is one-eighth. That's just one-eighth of all that other stuff. And by the way, when they irritate you, you're not going to even want that one-eighth. You can take that eighth too. That's how committed, that's how serious God's commitment is and what he thinks about commitment. Listen, let's get to Hosea. Turn to Hosea chapter 1. Hosea is a prophet. And God, for those of you who, who were not here when Minister Hill was teaching, this, might, this is probably going to be a shocker to you. Hosea chapter 1. Let's look at verse 1. Start reading at verse 1. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea. This is the Lord talking to him. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judea, 
And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms. Period. There you go, right there. He just told God, the Lord just told Hosea to take a wife that is a whore. Whore dumb. What does that mean? She's not faithful. She's going to, infidelity, she's going to do all of that. He said, take a wife. Notice that. Take a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. You see that? This is a reflection of Christ in the church and what he's asking Hosea to do. Take a wife. Okay? So that's a parallel right here. We see it in real life time. So he went and took Gomer. Now listen, in verse 2, what did God say? He said, take a wife. He didn't say, go look for Gomer. He said, take a wife. But in verse 3, so he went and took Gomer. That was his choice. God told him what type to choose. But he didn't tell him who to choose. So don't let nobody listen. And God forbid, don't, don't you say it. Oh, I know that God sent him to me. God sent this person to me. God sent me this man. No. 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 You chose that man. And he tells you how to choose. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't give you a specific name. He may send some types your way, but he, he's not for you, to, for, you, for you to later on go and blame him for this man you sent me? No. Oh, no. He said, no, baby, that was all your choice. Now, in this case, okay, I'm not saying God's going to tell you to go and, and marry a whore, somebody in whoredom. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I'm pointing out the fact that God would tell us what type to choose. Okay. In his case, because he was making a point, he had Hosea to go and choose a person of whoredom because of what we're talking about here. So God told Hosea what to choose and not who to choose. Hosea was committed to God first to do his will. Now, you tell me to go marry somebody that, that you know, you telling me she going to go cheat on me. You telling me that. Okay? Are you going to commit to that? He knew. He made a commitment because his, first, his commitment first was to God. Remember I said he was a prophet from God. He's like, God, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Okay? Turn to chapter 3. So in those other scriptures, we don't have time to go through in those other scriptures, he was just talking to him uh, about, you know, that relationship and particularly the relationship between, paralleling that with the relationship between uh, him and his people. Verse 3, 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, 
Love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord, toward the children of Israel, who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for fifteen pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and half homer of barley. So you see, he just took it. He did what God said. Later on, and I don't have time, but later on, we see she's, everything that God said happened. All, but he later went for her. He later went back for her. Why? Because of all the things that she had done, he was committed. The commitment that God has for the church and for his people, he says, I know, you, this is your will. You told me to do this for a reason. And that's to show commitment. That's why I said, you need to think about it. Even if the worst thing, infidelity, would you be willing? That's a choice you can make now. That's a choice you have to make now before you make the commitment. I'm out of time. I hope you got, I hope you got enough. I still got my nose, but I hope you got enough that will show you the seriousness of commitment and what it means to commit to a covenant. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.